Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Hello and welcome to WTA Weekly. Um, you've just seen um, John's filming of the match point from uh, the Madrid final, um, which um, I uh, which was uh, which was a, an enjoyable final, I would say. Um, obviously, covered that with um, Ashley and Isabel live. Um, but yeah, let's introduce the games. Let's. This is James. This is tennis ranter. James, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing, Nick? I'm I'm doing very well. Um, I'm probably uh, maybe not as happy as you are, given um, your clear allegiance to the in the Formula One that you are showing off right now. Um, I, I just want to say that although I'm wearing their shirts, I'm not really seeing one of their fans. It's one of those things where you get like a lot of people in like football who like getting different football kits from like around around the world. I'm mainly a Mercedes guy, um, but a few years ago, the F1 store had a sale on, and uh, this was very much on offer, and I was like, okay, I'll grab one. I've, I've always wanted to have one because they look kind of neat. Bought one, and they're really, really comfy. Um, unbelievably comfy. I can see why um, F1 teams always wear them all the time. It's, you, know, uh, you can walk around the house and feel completely, completely at ease. But yeah, I'm a Mercedes guy mainly, and a Lewis Hamilton guy. Okay, right. I mean, just one last point on the F1. I mean, yeah, Fed, um, Federer and the Williams sisters at the Miami Grand Prix. I think there is quite a bit of um, uh, F1 and tennis crossover, probably because they're quite individual sports. Hmm. Um, Emma Raducanu, obviously well known as being a, a Mercedes fan, Lewis Hamilton fan, and in fact, at one point was cons- was considering go karting and uh, or karting and going into motor racing as a potential sporting avenue. But fortunately for all of us, she chose tennis. Um, um, interestingly, with, with, when it comes to that analogy of both things working together, the of course the F1 track this weekend in Miami is the exact same area where the tennis took place in the Miami Masters a few couple of weeks ago. 
and yep. use the actual Miami Stadium, like they have the players in the back, you know, that makeshift weird smaller stadium in a big stadium. It's almost like a big fish, little fish, cardboard box or whatever. Uh, <laughs> when it comes to they use the same area to put the team, to put the team, um, team like buildings and temporary things and whatnot. And there's a yeah. good photo of the Williams sisters with Federer. Yep, and I remember uh, um, actually, I think a lot of the Miami coverage they were talking about the F1 a lot coming there i think they would like once they were setting down the tennis it was pretty much going into right now we've got to build the track um i mean it leads, it leads into a lot of, of what a lot of places you know um a lot of places almost having like tennis or like sporting quarters and this is clearly mm-hmm. something that miami are, are building up in terms of around the hard rock stadium for the american football for the tennis for the f1 whatever else they can work together and sort of follow that model of having that as a sporting quarter of miami indeed um, shame that, like, I think the only uh, slam equivalent is Melbourne. Um, mm. Probably biggest because it's got the two, probably te- for a while it had the opening to both tennis and Formula One. Mm. Um, but we're not here to talk Formula One, we're here to talk mm-hmm. tennis. Um, although I will say that, like, your allegiance, your, clear, um, your allegiance is you're clearly going for the winning team far more than me who picked McLaren about 15 years ago <laughs> and oh. have stuck with them <laughs> despite everything. Well, I will only say I mainly followed Lewis, so I'm a Mercedes guy at the moment because of Lewis, mm-hmm. and I followed it um, as soon as he came onto the scene back in 2007. Um, I saw like a report on like ITV News that he came third in the Australian Grand Prix, and I was like, "Hang on a minute, somebody other than Schumacher is winning races, or mm-hmm. he's getting good in races." I've got to have a look at this guy. I don't watch the next race, and then for years afterwards, I've been you know following Hamilton all the way through for the low, really low points back in like the early early 2010s to the high points of winning pretty much every single year up until the last couple of years ago. And then, of course, the situation where the F1 decided to steal the eighth title away from Lewis um, by not following their own rules. So, yay. Yeah, never, never, uh, let's face it, no sporting governing body is perfect. We might get talking about Madrid organisers um, <laughs> today. Um, so, ta- James, did you see the Madrid Open final, either live or on catch-up? I did watch it live and it was a cracker. It was an absolute, it was, uh, that, that's the best, sort of, you know, to shorten shorten it up. It was a cracker. You had two of, you know, what we would probably say are the two best, I say even clay quarters. I know Sabalenka is quite good across all three surfaces, but certainly two of the best clay quarters on the WTA scene at the moment, absolutely battling at it, hammering tongs. It was a repeat of the final that happened two weeks prior in, in, uh, in Stuttgart. And, Sabalenka was able to use the altitude, able to use the speed of the courts to her advantage, and actually to flip the result from that uh, from from two from two weeks ago, and uh, uh, and actually stick well and pick up a second a second title, a second title in Madrid. Uh, yes, uh, absolutely. Well, I I have to agree, definitely cracker. I, I there's a little bit of recency bias here. I am actually tempted to say I think it's the been the best match of the year. In the WTA side, I think I certainly, uh, for me, I thought it was more exciting and better quality and, and better quality throughout um, that to hold my attention compared to the Australian Open final, which is probably the only other real contender. Well, that's a, that that's an argument. I really like the Australian Open final. It was I, I found that enthralling throughout, but I could see with this one because. You know, one of the good things about what makes great matches is when you have two like chalk and cheese characters in terms of their game styles going up against each other and seeing how they play out. That's what we have here, where 
Sean Tech, very much more of a mover around the court, can can really you can really have a lot of um cannon in a shot. And I say cannon not necessarily as to how hard they how hard they can hit it, but in terms of where they place the ball on the court in, in multiple times during a match. Whereas you know the Australian Open final, it was brilliant, but it was basically a case of two people that have a similar game style, just destroying um, tennis balls left, right, and centre. Yeah, so it depends on what you prefer. Mm. Um, I uh, it depends on what you prefer. I think I, I think there's the only two that like. Uh, you would the, the kind of main categories anyway. Some people might also say the Indian Wells final. Um, First set, yeah. Second set fell away. Um, yeah. I watched it. I really enjoyed it, but I would, you know, and I would say, and Ray Barkin played an absolutely brilliant um, level of tennis, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it was as good as this one or the Australian Open final. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and the fact it went to a decider. I think, I think this one also the Madrid final having those mega momentum swings just without necessarily. I the other player dropping off the cliff. It was due to the a, a player raising the level and changing the game hmm. um, that decided those momentum shifts. And I think for me that is one of the key things that um, held my attention throughout. Whereas I, I, I kind of felt like the Australian Open final once Sabalenka got a hold of it, hmm. it, it looked like it was going to be a bit of a challenge to get her to let go of it. Hmm. Um, but that, this is just for me. I'm not saying it's it's all completely subjective, um, but I think we can both agree that like that final, the Australian Open final, the Indian Wells final, um, were all thoroughly enjoyable matches. Um, yeah. and I, I, I I said, the Miami final to me was also quite enjoyable, mainly it maybe because of the emotions around one of the players who was actually playing and the fact that you know, from where she's been to where she has been now and and the issues that she's had to face to be able to then bring that level when we talk about Kvitova uh, and to be able to get, get the win. I felt she played some outstanding tennis in that final against Rybakina. Um But yeah, I, I could certainly say that, you know, agree partly with what you, what you said yeah. already there. Yeah, the epic first set tiebreak again and um, definitely great result for Kvitova given the situation she's in now where she's now pulling out injured from Rome. Mm-hmm. Um, it's It's not ideal. I think Kvitova's now probably, you know, she is getting to an age where she has to prioritise which tournaments work well for her. And the grass is is her key, is one of her key sort of um, competitive competitive advantages, really. She's fantastic on the surface. I say that as somebody who's able to watch her win Eastbourne last year uh, <laughs> when I was actually there. Um, but so I think it would be, it's a smart move for Kvitova to keep, almost keep out of the close season as much as possible to actually get herself in a good window to try and have a real crack at the... Uh, at Wimbledon because it could be it could promise again to be a wide open tournament for Wimbledon this year. Mm. Or at least yeah. the, the ability to have a very deep run is, is very much there. Yeah. Well, we've got to get through Roland Garros before we get to Wimbledon. But, of course. Um, but, uh, I know it's always very exciting for grass to come round, though. To say classic breaks, we want to get the grass cut season to come as soon as possible. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Speed the court up. What are you doing? Um, <laughs> uh, but I would say the fact we are talking about having two absolute epic finals so far this season um we've had one v2 the last two um tournaments where the wta has had a tournament um we've had two masters 1000 finals in the north america where um they were super competitive first sets and still a lot of drama throughout despite being straight sets um does this um Hey, give I can't remember a season where the last WTA season we've had where we've talked about great final, great final after great final in the same way as we've had maybe on the ATP tour mm. 
for a few years. Um, so I'm really excited about the state of play in WTA tennis that this has shown and the sporting spectacle that um, it can, that it's now producing um, as Fiontek versus Sabalenka showed. I don't know if that's something you would you would agree with. Yeah, I think this is. I think stability has helped with that. We, um, I mean, I know now people have, you know, we've, we've had almost like the chaos that was the last couple of years, where it seemed like there'd be a, one random player versus another random player in the final of a massive tournament every single week, and we've only really, well, Shiontek on um, last year, but before that, Ash Barty the year after, that would have provide some form of stability, or at least a, a familiar face running throughout those tournaments. But like you, like you say, the fact that we've got these three players of, you know maybe not Rybakina on the clay, but certainly when it comes to Sabalenka and Sriantec going deep, constantly going deep, getting to those finals, having those rivalries, being able to ascertain how their opponent plays on the surface. You know, what we would have from, you know, Stuttgart was that, you know, Sriantec was able to get the better of Sabalenka. Sabalenka was able to learn from that, being able to see how Sriantec was playing on, you know, in certain shots uh, and certain patterns, adapt those patterns into our own game bring it into this match and then get that win. And then seeing those rivals sort of get themselves better after each match. And we can fully expect, you know, I mean, we'll probably maybe looking at, um, you know, uh, I know this isn't a, a preview show, but a similar sort of final in Rome where, you know, I would, you know, I would not be surprised if these two played each other in the final in Rome. Okay. Um, and and sort of like Shion Tech learning from this learning from this match and then being able to take um, take all the things she learned to actually, you know, be better and beat Sabalenka and, you know, back and forth, back and forth we go. Yeah, I, I I certainly think that these two. I'm expecting another final between these two um, in Rome. Um, it, it, Rome is very likely. RG is very possible. Could see them clashing at the U.S. Open. Um, definitely at some point during the North American swing. Hmm. Um, yeah, I I would not be surprised if these two keep running into each other for the rest of the year. Um, hmm. And um, I'd be up for that. Um, so long as the conditions uh didn't favor one over the other and i think one of the reasons why this match was so great was um both players could be uh, th there were aspects of the conditions that favored the players so it was mm -hmm. clay so Sviontek was always going to have really be really comfortable on it but the altitude gave sabalenka a bit more pop on her um uh pop on her shots um compared to other clay courts um so um, that for me, that definitely going into the match, I felt like it was too close to call because it kind of it, they had big strengths and not a lot of weaknesses, to draw, draw, not a lot of drawbacks between them, so they could kind of go at it. Um, yeah. My, I, mean, I, would, I would certainly say that when it comes to the altitude being a key being a key factor here, when it comes to the speed of the ball and, and the pace of the ball off the ground, um, but. If this is certainly, um, you know, it's this was certainly something very. It was important for almost Sabalenka to win to be able to at least stake her claim in the ground. This is this is you know this is this is her backyard almost. And mm -hmm. if she can't win here against Shiontek, where else can you know? What, what what hope do we have in any of the other tournaments for her to be able to beat beat Shiontek? So for her to get this statement win here, where she, you know it's her backyard, it's it's where she's most comfortable. It then means that we have that competitive you know that competitive edge added to this rivalry going into Rome, which is going to be more seen as sort of Shiontek's back garden, given the fact she's won the she's won this um, two times and uh, and, and seeing what Sabalenka can bring to that final, if that takes place. Yeah, um, I, I definitely think if this was a final that happens in Rome, um, Fiontech would have the edge, similar mm -hmm. in Roland Garros. Um, 
Yeah, and uh, I, I mean, we'll we'll look ahead to Rome in a bit. Maybe um, looking at these at these two um, specifically. Um, I mean, it's interesting. I think we've been talking just on Sabalenka and this title. I think you seem to be pretty confident that she's um, a contender on um, slower, more traditional clay as well. Then. Yeah, I mean, the way in which, you know, we look at Stuttgart and, you know, when we look at Stuttgart and the fact that she was able to see off a lot, a lot of very good players along there and that was quite a slow a slow clay court, clay court surface there. Um, I mean, also the, I mean, when it comes to variations, it's, you know, the women's game, there isn't as much variation in terms of when it comes to different surfaces. So, you know, and the advantages that you have on the surfaces. So in the men's game, you could have you have a lot where one player may be very good on clay, but then maybe terrible on the hard courts and the, and the grass courts. In the women's game, you notice more that a lot of the top players, they don't, you know, the weaknesses on different surfaces are, are slightly minimal unless you unless you get to some of them when it comes to grass. And that's mainly because of not being able to play on it that much. But, you know, given the fact that, you know, Sabalenka's got to the final here twice, being on the clay surface and the fact that she's always had good good performances or good showings at Stuttgart to me suggests that she is she is very versatile and, and solid on the clay, along with also the grass and the hard courts as well. She is you know the the optimum all court player. Yeah, yeah, I, I would say so. I, I'm still, I think the thing that's not convincing me, and I wait to be convinced on, is the stat that she's never got past the third round of the French Open. Mm-hmm. Um, and there has to be a reason for it. Now, I believe her game is better now. She's clearly made improvements. Um, mm-hmm. I think she will break that duck this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I definitely think that the the slow, slower conditions do not um, favour her um, in that, um, particularly yeah. the Spiontek matchup. I mean, yeah, I know for Roland Garros, I, mean, I remember last year she went out to Camilla Georgie and uh, um, I think it was in the, in, the, in the second or the third, third round. Third round. And, she's been uh, third round the last three years. But was for that. <laughs> uh, so, but you know, I think a lot. You know, she, you know, she wasn't in a great headspace around about that time. Um, that that time this time last year, especially with the um, the with the with the Belarusian ban from Wimbledon that had just only been recently announced at the same time. Um, but you know, and and, and and George is one of those players that on a day she's able to find it and hit the line. She's she's also, she's almost unplayable. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Um, what happened to her in 2021? Because I remember having us having similar conversations about Sabalenka in 21 after she won that Madrid title, beating Barty in the final. And like mm. back then, Barty was the form player on clay. Mm. Um, Barty and Sviontek, but Barty just beaten Sviontek in Madrid. I mean, um, we, know, we know when it comes to Sabalenka that up until quite recently, when it came, when we think about like, the, the Australian Open or at least a couple of other um, tournaments where or the Grand Slams, there was always that big thing of, oh, you've not got past the semi-final, can you get past the semi-final? And that kind of went into Roland Garros where people started to ask similar sort of questions and, and that and that would have played in the head in 2021. Yeah, I'm just having a look up, looking up 2021 to see uh, what happened. What was year? She was a third seed. Uh, so she 
got yeah, she was in the bottom half of the draw. Uh there we go. Oh, she lost to the eventual finalist, Pavli Chenkova. There you go. So it wasn't bad. No. Um yeah. So I yeah, definitely, definitely in the mix. Um I'm just um yeah, I need to see. Um I, I'm interested to see how she does in Rome. She is a semi-finalist in Rome from last year. That is a point in her favour. Hmm. Which backs up why I think she's a, she's an all-court all-court player. Any hmm. any surface, she's 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 a, she has a very high level on. Hmm. Uh, yeah, um, I, I wouldn't disagree with that. Hmm. I wouldn't disagree with that. I think she's got a very high level. I was just thinking that other play um, it, um she'll play well on any surface. It's a match-up thing for me more than necessarily her own hmm. level. Agree. Um Okay, moving on to the runner-up, Sviantek. Um, how big of a setback is this loss, if at all? If it is a setback? I think on the one hand, you could say it's a setback by the fact that she's not. Ever, I don't she's ever, she's never lost a, a, a WTA 1000 final. And this is the first WTA 1000 final that she's... I've been wrong, aren't I, Nick? You yeah, know, no, it's on on clay. She has already lost a 1000 final. That was to Krajika for earlier this year. I mean 1000. Yeah, that, that was a 1000. Was it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's because they keep switching. Uh, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, this year. I know they do it for whatever commercial reasons, but stick to a schedule. Sorry yeah. about that. Um, um, I have um, a habit of correcting my guests on the show. Renee Stubbs will confirm this. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can correct Rene Stubbs. I'm, I'm in no, I'm in no hope here, am I? <laughs> so um, yeah. Um, so when it comes to yeah, okay, when it comes to a clay, where in which is okay, maybe that point completely gets rejected. She's now used to losing on finals, so actually that plays more into her favour. Where she lost that fight, she well, she lost that final at the in Dubai. Um, so and now she's lost this final here in in Madrid. So on one hand. Okay, this is it could be a setback by the fact of okay, these are two very big tournaments. The two other tournaments that she's won this year have been only two 500 events in Doha and um and Stuttgart. You know, the 500s they were quite tough draws, but they were over a lower level. The fact that she's now lost two 1000 finals on in a row that could be seen as a setback, and, it, and most players it could start to provide a little bit of baggage. Where actually, when it comes to the big moments, the people that she's playing against, she's no longer um sort of you know, sort of swatting away, which she was doing in a lot of the finals. I mean, I think I remember the most vivid one being the Rome final from last year with um, Ange Jabeur, where it kind of felt like she was just being a bit kind in the second set by dropping a couple of a couple of games just to extend it, just to extend it for a little bit for the fans in the stadium. Um, but I don't think, given 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 the mental strength that Sviantek had, I mean, she, she went through the grass court season and was able to, you know, compose herself quite well. And she had a bit of a bad spell going to her home tournament in Warsaw, losing out to Garcia in the quarters there, but then came back and was able to win the US Open by playing at least like a, a minimum of like a seven or eight out of 10 game throughout the entirety of the tournament. And that worked quite well. I, I mean, I generally, given the fact that we're now going, you know, she was able to win what what you could describe as a comfort tournament. So a comfort tournament um, was Stuttgart, Madrid. She never played last year, and she hasn't got much much of a uh, much of a background when it comes to Madrid. So she will just basically take as far as she can in this tournament. But certainly, I think the big test and the major test will be Rome in, um, in, a, in a couple of days' time when that kicks off. 
because that is seen as you know Shriontek's you know Shriontek's competition, and if she doesn't win this competition, and if she doesn't win the competition, serious questions will get raised of actually is she going to be the favourite, or can she actually repeat um you know repeat holding her Roland Garros title? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I completely agree. I think, yeah, it, Rome will be the place where the questions will come. I, I am encouraged um, by the fact that Fiontech's actually been really, really positive despite the loss. Mm. Like, she's taken it pretty well. And I think she knows that it was close mm. and um, it was, she, she played well enough to win it. And the only thing that stopped her was her opponent having a good day. Yeah. And you and that's something that you can't control. Like you, she'll probably feel pretty good about that. She does, generally seems quite positive about it. It's a little bit like you know um, the, the, the well-known story of like Roger Federer taking solace from the two thousand eight Nadal loss at Wimbledon. Of he played in one of the the best match of his life, hmm. still lost, but it wasn't his fault. Um, so I I would imagine she's taking kind of a similar. Yeah. starts on it and like you say madrid not a place that she has much of a history with um it's not like if she lost in rome or ron mm. on garros um so yeah I mean, Rome's the, the, the alarm problem. bells will be going up in rome if this happened in rome um i mm. say alarm bells like it'd be a small bell if you still get to the final and losing three sets that it would be it'd be a small bell of or maybe like an opening of a door at that point of people going hmm maybe it isn't going to be shiontek versus the field this time around um mm. when it comes to rg no, and um, it would, it's a good thing it's not, um, mm. I, I think. Um, I mean, in many ways, um, uh, you know, in many ways, you know, you could say, you know, as a, uh, when, when Nadal was dominating on the men's side, you know, was there always Nadal versus the field or did we ever give uh, anyone else a chance? But uh, we're not at Nadal level of dominance yet from from Sviantec or if you want to take more of a, a women's-centric side like an Evet or Graf level, mm. um where they seem to have a bit of a stranglehold on it. But um, yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how she takes it. I think she's going to be positive. I think still think she's the favourite for Rome. Um, and uh, But we'll see how it goes. I think she's got a little bit of a, a little bit of a tough draw. Um, I think she potentially has to get through Krajikova in the semis, mm. which would be a, a tough fight, I mm. think, if Krajikova's on. Um, and given the fight they had in Rome in 21, that, would, that was an entertaining match. So fingers crossed for an entertaining semi-final. Indeed, indeed. I think John is going to be doing some uh, predictions for Rome at some point this week. Um, but uh, I might share share what I think is going to happen um, uh, kind of uh, um, today. Um, but before we move on to Rome for definite, um, <laughs> obviously for those who are watching, like we did a week, I did a week one show with Vunch where we covered all the stories that happened in the first three rounds. Hmm. Um, are there any stories from kind of round four onwards um, that doesn't involve Shpiontek or Sabalenka necessarily, unless they were the opponent of someone? Uh, um, I would say that from round four, so I luckily just got up on my iPad the draw thing from, from <laughs> so I was able to remind myself. Um, I would say the first thing that really pleased me was Bedosa's performance over um, over the over this tournament. We know that Bedosa has, you know, since the Indi the October Indian Wells triumph. Um, in 2021, hasn't really found any form whatsoever. She's been very, uh, it's almost been like a, a car starting, but having a stuttering en engine. It's, you know, it's almost started and it stopped. It's almost started and it stopped. 
Uh, and, you know, when it came to this tournament this time last year, it went out very early rounds, but this time around was really able to show a really strong bit, a really strong game, able to be Coco Goff, who was not, not too shabby on the clay, um, and, and a range of other really good opponents, and only that, only really coming up against a, an inf, um, a good form Sakari, or at least a Sakari that, you know, at least in the early rounds actually plays like Amira Sakari and not Amira Sakari of like a semi-final or, or final thing. Um, so I would certainly say I'm I'm pleased to see that Dosa was able to use the fact that, you know, it was a home tournament, home crowd, um, to be able to, you know, have a good showing, get to the get to the fourth round, and hopefully she'll be able to build some confidence off this going into uh um going into both Red Watt Pro and Roland Garros and, uh, and potentially the grass season. Yeah. That... And then of course the other big story was was Andreva, <laughs> the young sixteen year old Murray lover. Yes. Um who um yes, I definitely Vanch and I raved about during our show last week mm. um and i think right so i don't is she in qualifying for rome i possibly possibly I haven't looked at rome qualifying it's so big the draw sheets now because of the now, now expanded format you don't know where everyone is after time yeah you know, i'll just quick 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 type into a search or media um engine uh no it doesn't look like she's in rome but then she is restri restricted by how many tournaments she can play. Yeah, her sister is is in qualifying or was in qualifying. Her eighteen year old sister, mm -hmm. unfortunately, her eighteen year old sister lost six two six one to somebody called Eliza Jaco Quimon. Oh, Eliza Giacomo. Giacomo, is that? What you I must be. Correct. I, I think so. There we go. There's my pronunciation. Yeah, um, up and coming French star. Yeah, that's the one. Step into the world of power loyalty and luck i'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, but apart from that, I can't see anyone. I can see Jean Jean of uh, Roland Garros fame. Yes, there's a few. There's a few French players looking to build some. Uh, yeah, from a British perspective on the WTA side, Harriet Dart lost in three sets to Patricia Hahn. Oh well. There we go. Yeah, uh, yeah. I've kind of. I don't. I don't follow. Um, WTA for the Brits. Uh, it's a depressing that. place to be, it really is the majority of the time. Well, barring potentially Burridge's performances, right? but that's another matter. Yeah, Burridge has been doing really well. Um, yeah. she, should, um, she looks, looks like she's on course to become British number one pretty soon, given that Radicani's going to be out for a few for a few months. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully top 100, which would be great oh, for her. Top 100, a few, point, a few points off, hopefully direct entry into Wimbledon. for. Uh, I hadn't realised how young she was. I've just realised she's 21. I thought she was a bit older, but... Burridge, uh, yeah, mm. she's um, she's had a few injury um, injury problems over the well. Well, it's a classic line with a British tennis young player, young British tennis player, and injury problems. You know, they come hand in hand. Um, but yeah, she's um, had a lot of injury problems over um, over the young part of her career. But um, seems to really be sort of you know firing through at the moment of at least getting some, getting some, some consistent wins in you know challenger type events. You know, WTA sixties, eighties, one hundreds, and. Mm. I really hope um, she's, she's, she's got a good game and the potential of really going quite 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 far in it. Yeah. Uh, oh, I've got right. a few other British youngsters in terms of the, from the women's side. It looks really promising and, and you could be, look, be looking, say, for sort of five years' time where they, where they could end up being. But so at the moment, I'm like, it's a terrible at the moment. 
but it is going to get better. So I've just got to ride it out and just enjoy like Draper and whatnot on the men's side for any sort of British success. Um, just to wrap up on Madrid stories, I think, yeah, I think the two you've highlighted, I think quick rundown for me for the ones that you you haven't mentioned because yeah, Andreva was definitely one of the stories of the tournament mm-hmm. other than the final. Um, Bedosa, great. Zachary, um, we've talked about a little bit. She um, and um, yeah, more of the same from Zachary, I would think, to be honest. Um, not much new from her side and sort of like gets the semi-final blown away by Sabalenka. Um, these performances of a couple of Russian players, um, Alexandrova against Sviantek, redlining, gave us some good entertainment. Um, and uh, Kuzabatova beating Pagula, which was a little bit of a surprise result because I thought Pagula um, would provide the right that would be at a level where she would be in the semi-finals from that section. But yeah. um, Kuzabatova kind of surprising us a little bit there. That's a bit of a surprise. It was, uh, yeah, it, it, I'm just looking at the score now. It was, it was a quite a bit of a surprising one because Pagula's, you know, famed for being able to at least read, reach a seeding. Yeah. Um, so we'll see how Pagula kind of handles that situation. But I, I still kind of regard her as kind of like the fifth person after the kind of four that have kind of risen to the top in 2023, um, being Sabalenka, Sviantek, um, Rubakina and Krajikova. Um with um and then the only other thing i just wanted to say was um uh, maya sharif i thought was a story that was worth highlighting you know quarterfinals of a masters of a 1000 event mm. furthest egyptian woman's ever gone she's completely she best result of her career um up there with that 250 title she won last year beating sakari in the final forget where it was um palmer thank you um it. I remember it because because it was a tournament I looked at and go Sakura should be walking it and every single round she was dragged into three step thrillers and it was like no surprise that in the final she got dragged into a three step thriller thriller and was on the wrong side of a three step thriller. Yeah, but Sharif very strong player because she got she got a couple of good wins this tournament. So um... she did really well earlier on this year as well. I remember it's a tournament I forgot which one it is, but she she went deep there as well. She's um she's certainly um showing a good level of consistency or breaking into the world's top forty. Uh, current single ranking of forty three. So you know it's good it's, it's good to see and, and also a bit of a late bloomer being twenty seven. Mm. Um, and it's nice for North Africa to have two um players um to at the sort of the top of the game um along with Ons Shabur from Tunisia. Um, who I gather is playing Rome. I haven't seen any news saying she's pulled out, but that's that's good news. Very good news. Yeah. Um, I think she's another name. If she's fit and healthy and she's recovered from this um, injury that she sustained in Stuttgart, which she said was a tear, um, then um, she's someone we need to keep an eye on, um, on the rest of the clay, for the rest of the clay season. Agreed. She's, uh, um, you know, she, you know, Ons is one of the one of the best sort of natural court surface players there is out there. Uh, yeah. yeah, and it'd be good to see her back at back in the fold. All right, um, let's look at Rome. We talked a little bit about Rome from the perspective of Sviantek and Sabalenka. I'm definitely expecting them to go deep. Sabalenka's draw looks a little soft for her. Actually, I think she should easily make the semis. Similar for Sviantek. I don't see anyone who can really challenge her. Um, some people are worried about her meeting Rebecca in the quarters. I think Sviantek, I, I think the surface neutralizes Rebecca's advantages over Sviantek. And Rebecca's not in a great, um, kind of lost a little bit of form at the minute. Um, so I would back Sviantek to get to the semis. It's that Krajikova clash potentially in the semis that interests me. Mm. Um, and then my other semi final is Sabalenka playing someone who I think is 
I think is a Rome specialist, which is Caroline the plush giver. <laughs> um, I, I would back her to get through her section as well. Yeah, I, I would. I would say that. I mean, Pliskova. I mean, you know, putting in results, but not really. You know, light, lighting up the, the, the circuit at the moment. But no, I agree. Pliskova should should do quite well here. Um, should be able to get. Um, you know, certainly certainly farther into the, into this uh, into this draw. Yeah. Um, so I think we're. Um, I think yeah, it should be exciting anyway to see what happens. Um, obviously, we've still got qualifying going on. Mm. Um, but is there um, any way, anywhere that you, any any kind of first round matches that you've spotted that you like? Hmm, keep an eye on that one. That could be entertaining. Uh, Sabina being back, of course, and she's been, played a few um, uh, a few tournaments. It's always good to see her back. San Sanovic versus Leila Fernandez. Uh, San yes. Sanovic is always a always a tricky customer. As a, you know, as I say, as a British tennis fan, watching her beat Raducanu on two occasions quite easily. Um, she so she used to be a tricky one, and Fernandez um, still trying to pick up there. Uh, we've got, of course, Alicia Parks versus um, Annette Contevate. Um, you know, Annette, fought, you know, Annette's sort of like fall from grace almost, but um, you know, but Alicia's you know showed some good form in the indoor hard courts in in February, but nothing really much since then. But still, can be a quite dangerous player. Uh, of course, the the danger the danger um, woman that is Kai Kinepi, see what she can do against Vondrosova. Um, and just going down any further to see if there's anything, um, nothing else sort of stands out, is standing out to me at the moment. Is anything standing out, standing out to you, Nick? Yeah, the, the, I think you've listed all the other ones. Um, entertaining one, I think, could be um, Linda Noshkova against Shelby Rogers. Big hitting. I think mm. the, the Czech. This will be a good test for the Czech teenager because that might be a, a winnable match. Mm. Um, final section, you've got um, Sloane Stevens and Nadia Podoroska, um, French Open, former 2018 French Open finalist against 2020 semi-finalist. Mm. Um, Stevens actually in good form. She went quite, I think she either won or got to the final of a, um ITF event or 125K event um, last mm. week. So she seems to have got a little bit of mojo back after going on a losing streak. Um Sophia Kennan uh, playing uh, Christina Buxer. Um, Kennan obviously trying to get her form back as a major champion, getting, playing Buxer, who's um, a little bit, who's very much in form right now, um, climbing up the rankings. And then the only other thing that I've spotted that um, is like as, as an interesting potential matchup in the first round is the battle of the 2021 um, Roland Garros runner-up against the 2012 Roland Garros runner-up, Anastasia Pavlichenko against Sarah Irani. In round right. one, would it to play Sviontek? <laughs> well, at least I have have fun on that one match. <laughs> is, the, is the is the answer to that one? Yeah, that'll be an interesting little match to sort of take a look. Wow, it's Iranian. Not, yeah, not had that name in years. Um, so it's good to see her. Um, you know, in the main draw, one of these big big tournaments. She's currently in qualify playing qualifiers. Maybe she's kind of just outside the top one hundred. Yeah, um, yeah. I must admit, I, I've not heard much of Irani for for for, for a while. No, point. not not since she was questioning um, Christina Miladovic at the twenty. Was it Miladovic? No, someone, someone getting wheeled off in a wheel. No, it was Kiki Burton's um, oh. getting wheeled off in a wheelchair at the French Open. And Rani was still insisting that she wasn't injured. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Burton's did win the match, but it's, that's a classic thing from like um, secondary school. Where like you know you, you rock up with a broken leg, but the PE teacher says, "Have you got a note?" And he goes, "No, I haven't got a note." Then you're playing, and, you, and you're in the kit, and you get on the court, mate. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, 
so yeah but that's that yeah those were kind of my first round matches um i and obviously those are my kind of semi-final picks i don't know if uh have you done uh, your a bracket yet for rome james not yet I, i'm i'm i don't know maybe because i'm a bit ocd about it i like it when you do all the qualifying and then the qualifiers go into the brackets and then you've got the full list so then you can go yeah. go from there so what's my is that maybe like i said because it's my ocd i hate those tournaments where i hate it's probably a strong word but i'll use it anyway um i hate those tournaments in which you have the qualifiers quali- playing their second qualifying match on the same day as the first round to play it so that means you have to do your draws based off blank spaces and i'm like well one of those qualifiers could do really well and get quite far and i may fancy one of those two qualifiers to do to get quite well and do far but yeah i'm, I'm, I'm waiting basically until tuesday night wednesday morning to then do both my WTA and ATP um, brackets. Yeah, I I do mine without qualifiers in it, which I agree is better to try and do them with. But what I keep finding is, is that sometimes they'll start main draws without before the qualifying draws mm-hmm. finished and then I can't do anything. Mm-hmm. So I kind of go, um, I'll just risk it and, and hope for the best. And uh, yeah, it, it sometimes works. Um, has it worked for me so far in the clay season? But uh, um, I, I I know that you are one of the regular TNNS. Um, I did really well in WTA one last week. I came second, yeah. which I was quite pleased about. In Madrid? For Madrid, yeah. Um, uh, I think WTA, I yeah, WTA, yes, because Hanya beat you. Yeah, Hanya beat, Hanya beat me. Like, Hanya's brilliant at it, so I don't mind losing to Hanya. That's fine. Um, but I was like, hang on a minute, I could put it to the final. And who was going to win the final correctly? Guess in. Well like done. ATP yeah. one was terrible. I think is everyone didn't. But, but uh, whoever, if anyone put Jan Lennerstroff to get to the final, <laughs> deserves the biggest bottle of champagne or whatever imaginable because that is some some cool, some some cool. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm sure they'll be discussing that in detail on uh, the ATP weekly show. Um, Mario and Damien are going live in about four hours, so stay tuned to the channel um, to. Um, uh, to keep an eye on it. Also, stay tuned to the channel for any updates we have from Rome, any commentaries we do. Um, assuming the weather isn't prohibitive, I think our last point on Rome is I've seen a few things flying around that the weather forecast does not look great. And I don't think Rome has a roof. This could be utter chaos um, in Italy. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this is the joy of them having an extra three days, it seems. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be... Um, yeah, none of the none of the courts in uh, in Rome have any have any roofs. They're, they're quite old fashioned, like like Roman coliseums. All all of the uh, all, all of the stadiums. All right, um, and jo- old Patrick. Yeah, well, this uh, if it's slower conditions, Iga Swiatek is definitely going to be doing a rain dance. Oh, um, certainly, certainly will be doing. Yeah, so have the uh, the comments fly for a flight without. There's a lot of there's a lot of comments coming up. Yeah. Um, John is saying he's returning to the commentary booth, which will be great because he's been much missed. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing what will happen there. Um, I I am hoping to be in the booth at some point for Rome. Um, and, uh, uh, and so just keep an eye on the channel and see what kind of comes from that. Um, this week, John's going to be doing um, um, his uh, predictions. He's obviously heard... Um, mine, so it's pro- he's probably just going to copy everything I say. Um, and uh, I'm going to be mine's, mine's pretty easy. I'm going I'm I'm to be boring. I'm going to say it's on tech. I say you know it's going to be quite straightforward route to the final. Okay. Um, I am probably the, there. We go. The most boring um, prediction you'll get 
Probably all, I, I mean, all, all week. I'm predicting Sviantec to win as well, to be honest. Um, I think, okay, I'm going to go with, I'm going to say this. I, I'm going to be controversial. I actually went for Sviantec Plushka for final. What, Nick, what for your prediction? Yeah. Oh, I think okay. Sviantec will beat Plushka in the final. Okay. There you go. You're, you're really trying to set yourself apart. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, if you don't set yourself apart, then everyone just thinks you sound exactly like everyone else. Yeah. Um, I'm not entirely convinced by that, to be honest. I think Shivantek Sabalenko is also probably just as likely. Hmm. Um, but yes, the infamous double bagel from 2021, um, which, uh, yeah, um, was a spectacle for in its own special way. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, it's, you know, when you get them, you get them. I hate it. And I hate, I, I more, you know, whenever you see a double bagel, I know this is just a general point in, in whatever match. If it's in the final, especially, I really feel sorry for the paying fans who, who have paid a lot of money for the for a final ticket and for it to last what fifty minutes and to have a trophy lift. Mm. I'm like, you know, okay, like this person showed that they're miles better than the other opponent, but you got a fan that's paid two hundred pounds per ticket just to sit right in the gods and and yeah. I'm going to say this now. I would prefer to see a double bagel than a triple bagel because at least the double bagels over quicker. Mm. Whereas the triple bagel is like, just can we get this over with? Yeah, at that point, it's like, you know, stop it. He's already dead, me. Okay. Yeah, anyone gets that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, actually, saw a tweet. Um, apparently, if Shviontek uh, wins three in a row, she'll be the first player since Conchita Martinez in the 90s to won three in a row because she won, nine, well, four in a row, 93, 94, 95, 96. Wow, that's a really good, that's a, that's a really good stat. Um, it's amazing she never won the Roland Garros. Martinez hmm. like she was always in the mix and never I think she got to one final everyone will ask the question why Murray never won Austra- the Australian Open the Australian Open given you got to like five or six finals that's it yep yeah yeah it's, it's one of those yeah yeah Martinez no Martinez only got to one Roland Garros final she lost I think it was no that was uh, what year was it she got to the Roland Garros final I think she got beaten by Pierce in the 2000 final. Hmm. Um, yeah. But obviously she won Wimbledon, so she is a, a deserved Grand Slam champion. But uh, I mean, I don't know why we're talking about this. I think this is all, I, for us, we never watched it live. Apologies to yeah, those well, who I mean, did. I wasn't even born then. I mean, <laughs> I don't know, from 93 to 96, I was born actually at the back end of 96. So, you know, yeah. Yeah, 2000 French Open final, um, lost to Mary Pierce. Nah. Um, which you know annoying for Martinez because that was a big opportunity but on the other hand French major champion um how much actually uh, this is something I've been thinking about the hype around Caroline Garcia going into Roland Garros is going to be huge she's going to be top four seed probably hmm. um despite her lack of form I don't think the the general French media is going to care about that hmm. I was quite fortunate because um, I say quite fortunate. Um, it turns out getting to Lyon in February is fairly cheap and the tickets to that tournament were fairly cheap as well. So oh, wow. um, so I went to uh, Lyon in, the, in, a, um, in early February for the indoor tournament that took place there that Garcia was the top seed at. Um, and the French crowd absolutely love her. 
um, you know, uh, cheering every shot, trying to trying to jiggle over the opponent if they got to a second serve. It was it was really great. It was really, 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 really brilliant to see how much. That, and I know Leon is the town that Garcia is from, or the okay. city that Garcia is from. But yeah, the French crowd absolutely love Caroline, and and um, as you know, Nick Caroline's one of my, you know is one of my favourite um, WTA players. So I really hope that she does really well at this tournament. There's a lot to love from uh, Garcia, and yeah, I hope she does well in Roland Garros uh, and pleases the fans and hope she does well in Rome because that will give her a lot of confidence going into Roland Garros. Make things interesting. It certainly would. Um, so, right, let's wrap this up. Thanks for yeah, coming. I've been seen to be offending Ghost a lot. He's now saying, uh, um, <laughs> I said Leon as Leon. Um, <laughs> Leon. Okay. What? Yeah. Well, sorry, Ghost. <laughs> oh, well. We're, we're, we're very, we're, we're British and as I think he commented earlier, we, we tend to struggle with anything that's not um certain pronunciations um but yeah thanks thanks for coming on james i hope you had a good time um a brilliant time and uh i will i will be you'll see another video from me um in a day or two um, where i will update my pre-roll on garas wta rankings based on the midget results don't think there's going to be too many surprises in them uh and yeah just keep an eye on the channel like subscribe for any other updates um Thank you very much, James. Thank you very much, everyone watching. Speak soon. If you enjoyed this video, make sure you hit that like button. Don't forget to subscribe and click that notification bell so you don't miss out on all things tennis. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.